0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. To our visitors, again, welcome to all of you all for being here. And to our members, we're appreciative of the engagement um, in, in the work here at the Annapolis Church of Christ and our family. Um, some items of, of highlight uh, for this morning, just before we get going. Again, if you all would kindly remember Dwayne and Sharon as they transition. Um, as mentioned mentioned in his prayer. But if you all would remember that this week, next week, um, as you go through, because it is um, uh, something uh, that does burden them relative to transition. And then uh, also works of the church. Yesterday the men had a men's meeting, and um, I just want to mention a a few things relative to things that are upcoming. Our gospel meeting that we're going to be having uh, towards the end of this month, beginning of next month. And we should start now, Uh, with inviting other folks to come in and to support that particular effort. Uh, It's the first time we've done it in 2015, and it's an important effort relative to reviving our souls and also uh, restoring the lost. And so please remember that as you're praying this week. Uh, We've got a prayer day that's going to be coming up in December uh, the exact week is still being uh, worked out. The exact Saturday is still being worked out. But please, just on your long-term schedules, remember that. And then Harper's Ferry is coming up on Columbus Day weekend, um, on which our mids will be hiking up to the top of Columbus, uh, top of Maryland Heights and worshiping on Maryland Heights, looking back over into uh, Harper's Ferry, where the Shenandoah and the, and the Potomac come together. And so all those things are just some items that are ongoing and works that are ongoing here at the Annapolis Church, and we want to thank God for his mercy and for his goodness uh, relative to the efforts that we're pursuing. Do you know surely goodness? A mom was concerned about her kindergarten son walking to school. I have a kindergarten. He doesn't get to walk to school, but uh, this mother was concerned about her kindergarten son walking. He didn't want his mother to walk with him. She wanted to give him the feeling that he had some independence, but yet know that he was safe. So she had an idea of how to handle it. She asked a neighbor if she would please follow him to school in the morning, staying at a distance so he probably wouldn't notice her. The neighbor said that since she was up early with her toddler anyway, it would be a good way for them to get some exercise as well, so she agreed. The next school day, the neighbor and her little girl set out following behind little Timmy as he walked to school with another neighbor girl he knew. She did this for a whole week. As the two walked and chatted, kicking stones and twigs, Timmy's little friend noticed the same lady was following them as she seemed to be doing every day, all week. Finally, she said to Timmy, have you noticed that lady following us all of this week? Do you know her? Timmy nonchalantly replied, yeah. I know who she is. The little girl said, well, who is she? That's uh, just Shirley Goodness, Timmy replied, and her daughter, Marcy. Shirley Goodness? Who the heck is she, and why is she following us? Well, Timmy explained, every night, my mom makes me say the 23rd Psalm with my prayers because she worries about me so much. And in the psalm, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And so I guess I'll just have to get used to it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you and gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. May surely goodness and and mercy be with you today and always. This surely made me smile when I read it. Turn with me, if you would, to the prophet, the prophet of Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 20. And while you're turning there, a short, short second story. It's entitled, Set Your Thermostat Today. A woman summoned her waiter and requested that he turn the air conditioning down. Minutes later she summoned the waiter again asking that the air condition be turned up. As her complaints continued, a man seated at the next table said to the waiter, she must be driving you absolutely crazy. Making you turn the air condition up and down like that. Not at all, the waiter replied. We don't have air conditioning. <laughs> your mind is a powerful, control device. By thinking positively, you can feel much more comfortable. By thinking negatively, you can hurt yourself terribly. How have you set your thermostat today? Philippians 4, 6-9 through 9 tells us, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your hearts, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We have a gospel meeting coming up and at the end, at the end of this month, it's reasons for revival, revival for restoring our souls, revival for restoring the lost, ringing out the message, the message of Christ and refreshing our souls together. And so if you would, for the next few moments, we're going to take some time to study from Jeremiah chapter 20. And we're going to start with verse 7. Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 7. If you have that scripture, say amen. 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 Okay. Verse 7. O oh Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult. It has brought me reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear my whispering terror on every side, report him, let's report him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived, then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. And verse 11, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail they will fail and be thoroughly disgraced their dishonor will never be forgotten O oh Lord Almighty verse 12 you who examine the righteous righteous and probe the heart and mind let me see your vengeance upon them for to you i have committed my cause For the next few moments we want to springboard from this passage on the subject of fire in my bones. Fire in my bones. The young prophet Jeremiah planted his life in Jerusalem, where for 40 years he was to be the Lord's messenger during the final era of of Judah's apostasy. His mission was one, to testify to a sinful and stubborn nation who had been misled by false prophets, and two, to witness to their doom. The prophet Jeremiah saw saw this nation pass from the happy, prosperous times under King Josiah to the state of iniquity. He witnessed the Babylonian invasion and the final destruction of Jerusalem. To fully appreciate Jeremiah's words in our text this morning, we must look at his life and look at his ministry. His life and his ministry was filled with discouragement, with disdain, with danger, and he preached for a long period of time with no tangible results. He became burdened as he preached powerfully, eloquently, passionately, because no one, I dare no one seemed to listen. This constant failure of, to get through to the people had a wearing effect on Jeremiah. While looking at the road to ruin, he suffered intense personal pain. Jeremiah continued to pray even when his people, when, even when the people's disobedience and their rebellion seemed past remedy. And finally, when God forbade him to offer any more intercessory prayers for Judah, Jeremiah realized the doom for them was inevitable and it was irreversible. Jeremiah shed many tears over the impending doom of the, of, of the, the people. He could see the bloodshed, the death, the destruction, which would accompany the assault from the enemy from the north. In one sermon, of his, following an appeal for repentance, Jeremiah added, but if you will not hear it, my soul shall weep in secret for your pride, and your eyes shall weep sore and ruin down with tears, because the flock of the Lord is taken captive. Chapter 13, verse 17. While we consider some restrictions today as harsh, take a look at some of the restrictions that were placed on his life. He was forbidden to marry, chapter 16, verse 2. He was forbidden to attend social gatherings and even funerals, chapter 16, verse 5 and 8. While these restrictions did serve as a useful purpose, they nonetheless added to Jeremiah's personal agony. To add to Jeremiah's discouragement, he suffered hostility and abuse from the very people he was trying to help. Early in his ministry, men in his own town plotted against him. Chapter 11, verse 9. He was seized by a mob in the temple and put on trial. Chapter 26, verse 11. He was restrained from entering the temple area in a sh- for a short time. In chapter 36, in verse 5, he was even forced into hiding for a short time. In chapter 28, he was assaulted by a rival prophet. In chapter 29, a letter from Babylon urged further violence against him. In chapter 37, he was arrested and accused of treason and confined to a prison. Chapter 39, he was lowered into an empty pit and left to die. And in chapter 40, he was put in chains and carried off to Babylon. Looking at the context of Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, it must surely, we must surely see the difficulty of this prophet and perhaps maybe we can even understand how he uttered the words of our text today. Being a prophet had not brought Jeremiah respect and honor. Nothing, no nothing of the sort. It had only brought him bumps and bruises, mockery and mayhem. Ridicule and reproach, scorns and scars, trouble and tribulation, loneliness and lies, harassment and hurt, prison and pits, tears and treachery, and sickness and sorrow. In the midst of this frustration, Jeremiah decides it's not worth it anymore. I'm not going to try to help these folks anymore. I'm not going to try to teach these folks anymore. I'm just not going to say another word of the Lord to them. They won't listen, and I'm too tired. But Jeremiah finds something going on inside of him. Even though his mouth is shut, his vocal cords are still vibrating. Even though his mouth is shut, his tongue is still trying to find his way out. Jeremiah said, I tried to keep quiet. I tried not to speak. I tried to shut up. But I just could not help myself. For there is a fire in me that I can't extinguish. There is a fire in me way down deep in my bones, and that is the fire of the word of God. As we move further into the rest of the 21st century, let's look at our fight the conditions are a picture of gloom and doom drugs gangs divorce denominationalism rates murders and the list goes on and on some conditions within our lord's church are a picture of gloom hypocrisy stinginess division false doctrine it appears today that men didn't want didn't want don't want to hear what thus saith the lord regarding these matters but nonetheless God's word is like a fire that either burns you up or it fires you up if you refuse to obey the word of God then it is like a fire that which consumes you it burns you up if you are a liar then revelations 21 7 just burns you up for it says that all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire If you're a drunkard, then Ephesians 6.17 just burns you up. If you're a fornicator or an adulterer, then Hebrews 13.4 just burns you up. And if you're a homosexual, then Romans 1.26 just burns you up. If one does not attend church, then Hebrews 10.24 just burns you you up. And if one is stingy, 2 Corinthians 9.6 just burns you up. God's word will burn some folk up on Judgment Day, but we must teach it. In spite of the gloom and doom of today, we must not keep quiet. In spite of the cry of the gay activists, we must not keep quiet. In spite of the ridicule of, the de- of denominations, we must not keep quiet. Despite the disbelief of the atheists, we must not keep quiet. And despite hindering the hindering of the hypocrite, we must not keep quiet. And even if we try to keep quiet or hide our tongue, God's word has to be a fire in us that won't let us keep quiet. We must not neglect to speak God's word because that is where the power is. Acts 20:32 tells us. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is quick and it is powerful. God's word is a powerful fire. It is the only fire powerful enough to burn the slander out of gossiping folks, materialism out of stingy folks, malice out of hateful folk, error out of straying folk, and the hell out of devilish folk. God's word is a powerful fire. For not only can it burn out the bad, it can burn in the good. It can burn desire for abstinence into the fornicator, for life into the abortionist, for truth into the false teacher, for spirit filling into the liquor field. Jeremiah needed the fire and so do we need that fire today. He found the world to be a cold, cold place in his time. Like him, we live in a cold, cold world. But the best thing you can do in the cold is to come warm by the fire. And so that fire is God's fire, the fire of God's word. God has blessed each and every one of us to see another day, to wake up, Today, to get dressed and to come here to worship with one another. We are a blessed children of God. And so, someone once wrote this poem entitled, Anyway. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone can destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous, be happy anyway. The good you do today, people often will forget tomorrow. Be, do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, the final analysis is between you and God. It never was between you and them anyway. In the midst of all the trials, in the midst of all the tribulations of Jeremiah's prophesying to these people, he had learned that all the things that all things work together for those who love the Lord. We here at the Annapolis Church in this body, we're continuing to mature in this lesson ourselves. And so, one final story and a few scriptures this story goes like this. It's entitled, All Things Work Together. A little boy was telling his grandma how everything was going wrong. There was school, family problems, severe health problems, etc. Meanwhile, Grandmama was break- baking a cake. She asked the child if he would like a snack, which of course he said, certainly, Grandma. Here, have some cooking oil. Yuck, says the boy. How about a couple of raw eggs? No, thank you. Yuck, Grandma, gross. Would you like some flour then or maybe some baking soda? Grandma, those are all yucky. To which Grandma replied, yes, all those seem bad all by themselves. But when you put them together in the right way, they make a wonderful, delicious cake. God works similarly. Many times we wonder why he would let us go through such bad and awful and difficult times in our lives. But God knows that when he puts these things all together in order, they always work for the good. We just have to trust him, and eventually they will all make something wonderful. And we know all things work together for the good that love God to them who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. And so we end today, this morning, where we began. We end with the important question that came from 1 Peter. Turn back over there with me. Our last set of scriptures for this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 Dear friends Peter speaking here do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as as though something strange were happening to you verse 13 but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed verse 14 If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Verse 15, if you suffer, it it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And please pay attention to verse 17, because herein lies the questions. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? In verse 19, so then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So the question from this text for us today, and it goes back to 17, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? The lesson is yours. Whatever your need may be today, if you need to come in faith, repentance, and baptism, or if you need to turn and repent, not report, but repent, change from anything, you're always, we're here to help you today as we together stand and sing the song of invitation.